This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Diversity at Facebook is a huge issue. I asked product designer Earl Carlson how having a diverse workforce affects what Facebook creates. This is honestly one of the most important things that we should work towards at Facebook. This means that we can go through and have differing ideas um, instead of just having essentially large groupthink. Diversity makes sure that we're developing products for the global audience that we have. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. This week, Bandcamp is looking for an art director for their editorial features. Buffer has a remote position available for a marketing engineer. And here at Revision Path, we're looking for a design writer to join our team. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I just want to remind you again to check out 28 Days of the Web. We've been doing 28 Days of the Web now since 2014. We featured over 100 designers and developers from around the world. We do it every February for Black History Month. You really should check it out. This is our fifth installment this year, so we're doing something special. We've partnered with Glitch, one of our sponsors, and we've got a four-part video interview series with some of this year's honorees. So we've already had one that has come out with uh, Daniel Dixon. So check out the show notes for a link to the second video in the series. It just came out. This is with Monique Steele, who is an in-house designer at Blipshift. Now let's talk about our other sponsors, Glitch, Google Design, MailChimp, and SiteGround. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. If your goal this year is learning how to code, then you're in the right place. Glitch provides you with a platform to easily start creating anything from a simple website to a Slack bot to a web app using Node.js. Get started on making something awesome today at Glitch.com. Whether it's defining a branding style in VR or creating a voice user interface that actually feels human, Google Design is committed to sharing the best design thinking from Google and beyond. Sign up today for great stories, events, and the latest updates on material design at design.google forward slash newsletter. Again, that's design.google forward slash newsletter. You can also follow Google Design on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. It's a new year, which means it's a great time to work on your email marketing efforts. Let MailChimp's pre-built marketing automation help you out. Automations are like a second brain for your business, and I mean, who doesn't want that? They can do all the heavy lifting for your email marketing efforts so you can focus on what's important, your business. Sign up today at MailChimp.com for a free account. MailChimp, send better email. SiteGround's hosting services are crafted for professional business or enterprise projects. Do you need cloud hosting or a dedicated server? SiteGround's got you covered. 
Are you hosting WordPress or Drupal, Magento or Joomla? They can handle that too. And with award-winning customer support and amazing uptime, you don't have to worry about hosting issues at all. Get started today by visiting SiteGround.com forward slash revision path and get 60% off on all hosting plans. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking to Ronia Peguero, Chief Creative Officer at VNR Digital Branding Agency in Providence, Rhode Island. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hello, my name is Ronia Peguero. And I am the Chief Creative Officer of VNR Digital, which is a branded marketing and web agency. And what I do is I handle all the creative and technical aspects of VNR Digital. Where did the idea come from to start VNR Digital? I'm imagining the R comes from you, right? Correct. The R <laughs> is me. I am the I am the R in VNR. VNR Digital was a rebrand of a prior company that I was that I started in 2004. Uh, I started off as Blue Asu Designs, and then that transitioned into, let me explain a little bit about Blue Asu Designs. Blue Asu Designs started as a way for me to pay my way through college. And so I went business to business in my local area, Providence, Rhode Island. I went to all the neighborhoods, Broad Street, Matwells Avenue, you know, every local business I could to try to sell them services like business cards, logo design, websites. And in 2004, people really didn't understand the need for a graphic designer. So it was a tough sell, but I did get managed to do a few bit like a few, I did manage to get some business from that, doing like uh, producing TV commercials and things like that. And then eventually that changed and transitioned into events, started creating events. And then it transitioned into Blue Azul LLC, which then became an events promotion company, which we did nightlife for about 10 years and dominated the gay and lesbian nightlife scene in Providence, Rhode Island for the urban community. And we did that for a good amount of time and then decided to transition into a more of a daytime business. And so we created VNR Digital and VNR Digital is where we are now going into three years. Nice. Well, congratulations to you. Thank you. What are the best types of clients for you with VNR Digital? The best types of clients, honestly, are clients that appreciate and understand the value of outsourcing work and bringing in experts when needed. So our ideal client has a monthly budget of $5,000 to be able to allocate to different projects. And the type of clients that we're looking for are people who are easy to work with, people who are fun to work with organizations that are about doing positive things within the community. We like to help clients and customers reach out to the community and really present, give a visual and digital representation of their company that matches with what it is that they're doing internally. And now with VNR Digital, because you say you're not really, I guess, in the event planning space now, what kind of work is it specifically that you're doing? So we do branding, a lot of like logos, right? So whether it's a brand new startup or an existing company that wants to refresh or revamp their logo, as well as the marketing aspect would be like online digital marketing or like Google AdWords or SEO services, which also tie into the web services where we offer hosting and as well as design and maintenance. Do you have a dream project that you'd love to do 
Oh, that's a good one. I think like working with a company like JetBlue or one of the liquor companies would probably be like a dream project. Like a travel, you know, an airline or a uh, liquor company. For me, that would be a dream. That would be a dream job. Why those? Why those companies? So I like traveling, right? And so <laughs> I think a lot of times people miss the mark, I think, with reaching the 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 community, reaching, right, the LGBT community, reaching the urban community, reaching the Latino community. I think a lot of times companies outsource bigger companies who have maybe like a division that works within that area, right? But like our company is, it's a minority woman, what's the term? It's Okay, it's a MWD business entity with the state of Rhode Island. So like we're an official minority business and it's woman run. It's me and my wife. She's the CEO and she does the business side of things. And so I think that a lot of times people are trying to, they're trying to, uh, companies are trying, are seeing that their demographic is changing. Their client base is changing. The people that they're reaching is no longer the same thing that we were used to 50, 30 years ago, the way that businesses have been run. So being able to speak that language and talk to that target audience, I think is one of the the special skill sets that we have. I want to go into that a little bit deeper. Now, we've had several LGBT folks here on the show. We try to have an LGBT month. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. It usually, honestly, depends on who we can book. But generally, when I'm when I'm talking to them, I don't think we've ever really delved into kind of design and the LGBT community, because you just said that sometimes companies have a hard time reaching that community. Can you kind of expound on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's in general, right? It's like it happens with, I also want to speak about millennials and younger demographics, right? So like, you can always tell, it's kind of like when your parents are trying to be cool, and they're trying to talk your lingo, and you're just like, like, this doesn't match up, like, this doesn't make sense. So that's what a lot of companies do. They take like a prehistoric, dated, way of doing things and try to add a fresh new spin to it but it's it misses the mark right like it has to be real it has to be natural it has to be organic and so a lot and you have to understand the language you have to understand the culture and i think a lot of those elements are missed sometimes and therefore the message gets missed or people know when they're being sold and people don't really like that as either so i think things like that is really where where the miscommunication is between advertising and marketing and the urban community. And it's good that you can come in and then also not only, you know, serve that kind of need that those companies have, but it's coming also from an authentic place. Of course. Yeah, definitely. I'm a child of the hip hop culture. And so I think that also changes things as well and, and, and provides a uniqueness for us as an agency. Let's go back here a little bit. I know that, you know, from doing my research and everything, I see that you have a lot of experience with teaching, and I do want to talk about that. Let's go back to the time, your kind of early time when you were in college. You started out at Community College of Rhode Island. Yes. Then you continued at Rhode Island College. Talk to me about those experiences. Yeah, cool. So when I was at CCRI, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so what I did was I ended up going to a job fair. I was always, so let me just start by saying that I started off as a self-taught graphic designer. So I, I taught myself HTML at a very young age, at the age of 16 and graphic design, Photoshop. I also used to record like my friends rapping and stuff like that. So I did like some audio engineering classes before I started going to college. When I did go to college, I went to what was called the job fair, right? Because they always have those in colleges and they have people like recruiting. And so at the job fair, 
I had like all these like technology skills, right? So like the web design, the graphic design, the audio recording and stuff like that. And there was the library, the Providence Public Library was there and they were like, oh, do you have a resume? I'm like, yeah, I have a resume. I gave him my resume. She's like, oh, you have all these technology skills. Why don't you come in as our computer teacher? And I was like a computer teacher. Well, I never thought about that. That's interesting. Okay, well, let's give it a try, right? And so I went to um, Providence Public Library and I taught, not only did I teach like adults, so it was like adult learners that were learning English. So they were like French and they were Spanish and they were learning English. And then they also had, it was a joint program with their children. And so the children were also getting lessons as well. So what they did is they had one room with the computer and one room with um, the teacher and the teacher would teach the parents English and then the children would be in the computer room and then they'd swap and then the kids would go to the other room and then the parents would come to the computer room and then I would teach the parents the computer skills and as well as teaching the kids. So that was a lot of fun and that was a great experience for me. I definitely enjoyed it when I did that and that was my introduction into teaching while I was at community college. So you're teaching adults and kids at the same time. That's a lot. That was the beginning. Yeah, that was the beginning of my journey. It's not a lot. It's, <laughs> <laughs> now when you're coming from where I'm from, I mean, like, seriously, I'm I'm the youngest of six siblings. And uh, my mother has is one out of 16. Oh, wow. So that's to me, you know, I'm used to the big family environment. Okay. So with all of that, do you feel like once you, you graduated and got out there and started working that you, you were prepared? Do you feel like they kind of set you up for success? The college experience? Yeah. Okay, so for me, at college was just a thing that I needed to do to prove that I knew what I was doing, right? So like I said, I was self-taught graphic and web designer. I started running my own company at a community college. When I went to actually go teach at the Providence Public Library, I got another opportunity like a couple of summers later where I got to teach at MIT. And so when I went to MIT, I was teaching video game design, animation, graphic design, and web design. And it was for children between the ages of 9 and 18 from all different parts of the world. Like, their parents were, like, obviously, like, professionals, right? Like, scientists and lawyers and people who ran media companies and, like, siblings of students who were at MIT. Like, we had international students, everything, right? And so it was, like, this concentrated course where within a week's time, they had to either build a website or build a video game, right? And so, like, that was my other interaction with teaching. I just happened to come across that that opportunity, and that changed things for me because now I was in a higher ed environment within an Ivy League, right, teaching kids all of these advanced computer methods. And so that was very interesting, and it, it kind of, like, reignited a different passion for me when it came to, you know, technology and then teaching. How so? So what it allowed me to do is to kind of, so because I'm self-taught, right, I've always had this thing where it's like, I wish somebody would have been able to like teach me and guide me and help me with all of these things that I like had to learn on my own, right? So like the graphic design, the web design, like I always felt like I was ahead of my time when I was in a school environment, right? Because I felt like things moved way too slow. It was very archaic. You know, we have like textbooks and like outdated information and all of those things. And so for me, it was like, oh my goodness, like I get to teach these young kids, like start teaching them like Photoshop and teaching them like, yeah, we were doing just straight HTML for them to be nine years old and 10 years old and working on these things. To me, it was like 
amazing that you could give them that access, right? So it was very inspirational. And I think that it, it allowed me to continue on the path of teaching as I continued with my education. Yeah, I know what it is kind of that whole self-taught thing, because I was self-taught in the same way. Like I started learning from dissecting websites. I'm like looking at the source code, trying to figure it out. And then I check a book out from the library and try to learn it that way. But I know what you mean. It, it is a really interesting thing once you transition from teaching yourself to teaching other people. I feel like it's a good way to... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm completely, I just got tongue tied there, but, but go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. You, you want to say, you wanted to say it's a, cause I know what I think about it, but I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say. So you said that you think there's. Yeah, I think it's really good when you are self-taught and you learn to teach someone else, because I think from the student in, it shows them that they can learn it too. Because I mean, all of this stuff that we're doing with the web is, is fairly new. I mean, it's what, maybe, maybe about. 30 years old or something like that. Like it's, it's fairly new in terms of learning design and building websites and things. And even now the technology keeps changing. So none of us are really experts at it because it changes as technology changes. But I feel like you start to learn it better yourself once you're able to teach it to someone else. Yeah. So there's two things I love about teaching. One is I never realized how much I know until I'm in front of a classroom, right? It's hilarious because I have like all this information in my head and until I'm like in a classroom setting or talking to somebody is when I really start to realize like, whoa, I have all this information in my head. So that's really cool. The second part of it is that you learn a lot by teaching. So I learn a lot from my students, believe it or not. I think students are like the best, like unofficial teachers that they are. So it's a two way street. So speaking of students, this is a question that comes from one of our patrons here, Antoinette, and she says, I have a hard time handling non-constructive feedback from students. Do you have any tips for dealing with that? Oh, does she have an example of what non-constructive feedback is? <laughs> I would imagine just something like really, really vague that students are, because you're, you're also still teaching now. Is that right? Correct. I am still teaching. So after I taught at MIT and Merrimack College, I ended up teaching high school for two years. So I taught at two separate high schools. And then I decided that that wasn't the best fit for me. And I decided to teach college. So I've taught at five different universities. And right now I'm at, well, not, not all, some of them are universities, some of them are colleges. Right now I'm at Quincy College. And so it depends on the setting, right? So like I try to keep a really light classroom environment. So like if somebody says something, like usually students can call each other out. So like they already know my teaching style. And so if somebody said something, I would either make a joke out of it or continue to like, so you would have to like motivate them to continue answering. Like you can say something like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. So just kind of keep on encouraging them. So that you just have to keep engaging them. Yeah. Unless they're being impossible. And then you just have to like laugh it off. Like, oh, you're just being silly. And then just continue um, or find a student who's going to give an answer or ex or explain to them what type of answer you're looking for. Or this is how I would answer it. So sometimes people also learn by example. So it's not always it's not always that the student is trying to be malicious or funny or not engaged, but sometimes they just don't know what's the appropriate way to answer a question. What's the appropriate way to express myself? And so, like you said, you're kind of learning from the students in that way as well, because that also kind of helps you out when you have to deal with those issues in other areas, right? Of course, of course. Yeah, everything's relative and different. It's not specific to the classroom environment. The same rules can be applied in real life within business settings, et cetera, family. Yeah, I think it's really good how those skills can 
can tend to transfer over. Like, for example, I'm, I do this podcast. And back when I had my studio, what I found was that the more that I talked to people doing this show, the more comfortable I got just talking with clients or doing a cold call or walking through something because it's sort of like you're like building a muscle in some sort of way that you just become better and stronger and, and more agile with it. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a good point. Telemarketing, that brings me back. Code calling. When you say code calling, I was, I used to do telemarketing in my younger age years and uh, it's like what? my first like one of my first few jobs and I loved it man I used to be number one and number two on the floor it was crazy see I hated telemarketing when I did yeah I was a telemarketer for one day one day I was telemarketing for I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble by telling the story but I was a telemarketer (laughs) for the Atlanta Opera and this was I forgot I forgot why did I get this job it was I was like between jobs for something and just needed like a quick job or something and this was a a telemarketing thing. And I remember I just hated it. I mean, this is well before I started the podcast. This was like maybe, I don't know, I was still in college. This was like maybe 2001, 2002, something like that. And I just remember I hated just randomly calling people. First, I'm trying to sell them on the opera. Like it feels like it's such a weird elitist thing to try to sell someone on the phone. But also they were playing Boys to Men, I'll Make Love to You on a loop for like eight hours, like as soon as the song goes off, it'll come right back on just over and over and over again at the job, like in the background. Like at they the would job? Play it. I have no idea. Why? I mean, to I this day, been, I like, hate that song. <laughs> I associate it with that time. And like, I remember doing that. Like I, I got to that one day and I went home and I took all the stuff and put it in an envelope and mailed it back to him. I was like, I'm not coming back in. I'm not doing this. <laughs> oh my goodness you just put it on the back <laughs> see i'd love to sell some opera tickets right now i'm ready to do it right now it's like you know everybody deserves to the, the finer things in life like why shouldn't you go to the opera why shouldn't you have that experience for That's yourself true. That's true. why shouldn't you have something to talk to with to your friends about right everybody goes to the movies this is next level there's production that goes into it and so you just walk them through the whole the whole experience and you know now they're paying for an experience versus like just an opera so you're a good salesperson you're a good salesperson i like that (laughs) i don't know about that but i think i just enjoy it i enjoy talking to people honestly and just helping them see right helping people see the vision and then also like materializing it right so for me it's not only like seeing the vision right it's also like executing it so that's another place where I think we're strong in is executing the vision. Well, this is kind of a good segue into um, this is actually another question from Antoinette. She says, you know, you have a lot of experience as an educator. You know, we talked about that just now. And you're currently teaching at Quincy College, like you said. Why do you continue to teach in addition to running VNR Digital? I love it. I love it. Teaching, it, like for me, is so amazing because it's super flexible super flexible. Like for example, when I was teaching full-time in high school, I make the same amount now with, I work less than 10 hours a week. So that right there is, is beautiful. I work for about an hour and a half to maybe three hours on a long day, sometimes four, I guess, but it'll be like, and the schedule always changes too, right? So I like taking on projects with clients and school is kind of like projects. So every semester is going to be a different set of students. 
a different class. I've taught a lot of different subjects as well. So it's not always the same thing. It doesn't get repetitive for me and it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me current. I just like engaging with students. I like inspiring them. I like pushing them. I like making them feel that they can achieve anything. You know, I don't know. I like being there for them. Over the years, what have your students taught you? Oh man, what have they taught me? I have to, I have to sit down with this one because I feel like I've learned so much. It's hard. Sometimes it's something so simple. I don't know that I have like a definite, I guess I just learned, like, I see how people are different. I see how people have different motivations. People have different things that push them. I see how you, you get, you literally get what you put out. Right. So like, it's never the teacher that passes or fails you. Like, it's always up to you. It's always up to the individual if they want to show up and they want to give their all or not. Yeah, you get to see, like, who's really motivated, who's going to go places, who's... Like, you get to see all of that. It's so clear. It's so crystal clear. I don't know. It sounds like you get a chance to just kind of see their their progress, their story, their evolution, like, as the class goes on. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like I don't have like the best answer for you on things that I've learned from my students. I don't know that there's one thing that I've learned from them or multiple. Like, I just I just can't think of an example of something I've learned from my student. Like, I learned patience. Patience is <laughs> I good. mean, I think that's one thing I've learned. I've learned that sometimes you think, like I explained about before, like sometimes. You, so what I learned is also that people are coming from a lot of different situations and you have to be empathetic to people's situations. A lot of people want to be really tough and I am tough. I'm tough academically. I am. And I'm strict with my rules, but I also understand that people are coming from l- real life situations and I try to offer them as many chances for success as possible. And so I think that mark is missed a lot of times. Everybody doesn't have the same resources or the right or the same support. And you don't know how hard they've tried to get themselves to the place where they are right now. And so I don't feel like I'm answering your question at all. No, I think you're doing, I mean, patience and empathy are are certainly two important things that uh, that one can gain from teaching, you know? I mean, it, it's a pretty heady question. I Sometimes I will ask questions on here that... <laughs> That'll make you think, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm just like, what? I wish I would have prepared for that one. I'm probably going to figure it out after this interview. I'm going to be like, oh, I remember this situation I could have spoken about. <laughs> so what is a, a typical day like for you? You say you, you're working kind of like about 10 hours a week or so. What's a regular day like for you? Well, yeah, so that's only like, I guess, in busy times. Like, it's not really like that. This Right now, I have a month off, so I don't go back to work for another two weeks. And so what that means is like a lot of like figuring out the VNR business, setting up like new clients, reaching out to new contacts, nurturing our current clients. Right. And so like right now we just like I just decided that we're going to be implementing new features for our hosting package. So we're going to be offering some additional security for websites because got hacked recently and it was a nightmare and I had to like troubleshoot a lot of things. So I was like, okay. To be preventative about this, let's just offer it as a package and just have it be included in part of our hosting. So now we're going to include security and now we're going to provide reports for clients. So like that's a new thing. Found some new like tools to utilize to manage multiple WordPress sites. So that's really cool. Like, you know, a lot of like house cleaning type of things. Um, going to a networking event tomorrow, did another podcast earlier this week. Just things like that, just trying to move the business forward. 
I got you. What is it that keeps you motivated and inspired through all of this? Great question. The fact that I know that I don't have anybody to have my back, right? Like it's on me. It's on me to to push myself as far as I can. I continue to make goals. I continue to make just I keep raising the bar for myself. And for me, it's always about self-improvement and always, you know, what more can I do for others, too? That's another thing that I, I I'm always thinking about, like. I feel like I could be doing more for others. Like, what else could I be doing? What information could I be putting out there? How could I be helping somebody? So I think about all those things and I have plans. I have like a lot of things that I want to do. And so because I haven't been able to do all of them, it is a continual motivation to continue to keep doing things. Now, I know what that grind is like all too well. When you're, <laughs> you're, you're teaching, you're running your studio, you're doing all these other sorts of things. What are you doing for like self-care? Like, what are you doing to make sure that you're restoring yourself through all of this? One of the things that I'm lucky to say is that the, um, the CEO of my company also, my wife, runs her own company as well, in addition to VNR. And so we're obviously like alpha females and like there's never enough for us to do. And so what her company is, is a, it's a spiritual healing business. So it's called uh, White Lotus Spiritual Healing. And so she does, she offers like Reiki, IET services. I can't think of all the terminology right now. I apologize. But she offers a lot of different services. And so because of that, I'm able to benefit from those services. So she's also like a certified meditation and yoga instructor and different things like that. So I'm able to like learn different meditation techniques and get, you know, IET sessions every, you know, when needed or do intuitive counseling. And so those things help me clear my head and you know, redirect and like remove emotional blockages and things that stop you from moving forward. So luckily, because of that, I've been able to really recharge when necessary and keep my eye on the prize and continue to to plug away at my goals and change my mindset and be positive and understand that I'm a money magnet. You know, those are things having good relationships with finance. Yeah, different things like that. Understand that I'm a money magnet. You need to put that on a shirt. <laughs> You could sell that. You could really? sell, I'm a money magnet. You could sell that to entrepreneurs. They would buy that. We tell each other all the time we're money magnets, you know? It's important. Like, the money's going to come. More checks, more cash. Like, we just say it, and it, it continues to appear. So you have to believe that, and we do. What are you most excited about at the moment? Anything in particular? I'm always excited for what's to come. So there are some things in the works that I can't really talk about. There's always like these projects on the horizon or these accounts on the horizon that um, could be potential game changers. And so that gets me very excited to know that it's there. It's within reach. Um, it's highly obtainable. It's very close. And those things are exciting, which I can't really speak about, unfortunately. Okay. No problem. I understand. You know, you got to keep some things close before you, you don't want to spill the beans on everything. I, I totally get that. No. And sometimes we work on projects and we, we don't even just like, we can't publicly announce them. So it's unfortunate, but always working on something, always working on something. Let's talk about Providence. You're actually the second person I've had on the show who is a, a black woman who's a designer in Providence, which I really? think is pretty cool. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Who was the first one? Her name was uh, Daniqua Rambert. She, I don't know if she's in Providence still. I think her and her husband moved to LA, I believe. But when I interviewed her for the show, actually, it was back in December. Um, we had her, her episode. Nice. And so we talked about, you know, kind of what the design scene is like in Providence. So I'm curious to know from your end, cause it sounds like based on the, 
the longevity of not just VNR, but Blue Azul as well, you have a real kind of foothold in the local community. What's the province design scene like for you? So I don't know that I know much about the design scene as I know about the city, right? Because I'm, I'm born and raised in Providence. So a lot of people are in plants and things like that. And it's all good. They contribute to the city and they, and they bring amazing things. But what I like about my city is that we have like RISD, right? Which is the Rhode Island School of Design, which is where a lot of designers come from. So that's like our artsy scene. And then we have like the intellectuals. So we have Brown, right? So that's where the Ivy League is and the intellectuals. And then we have Johnson and Wales, which is the culinary arts and a little bit of the business, international business market, but most in event planning and sports management and a little bit of that. A lot of that is at Johnson and Wales. And then we have PC, which is like a private college, but they have like the basketball teams, but we have like all of these different flavors. And and that's just like in Providence, but we have like other schools outside of Providence, but just those like those schools right there, they all bring a different element, which is what makes Providence. So we're number two in the country for food because of Johnson and Wales, people open up restaurants all the time. And then they look nice. The restaurants look nice when you go into them because they get like RISD students who like open up design firms and things like that and design some of these businesses. And then you have like the intellectual people who come in, consultant or bring in, adding in whatever it is that their major is from like Brown. So we have like this like really cool, eclectic mix of people. And then on top of that, we also have a lot of culture. So like, for example, people think that Providence is known for Federal Hill. Have you heard of Federal Hill? I I haven't. What's Federal Hill? Okay. Federal Hill is the Italian historic area of Providence, Rhode Island, where there's like a lot of like mob ties and a lot of like you know, shady politics. There's just a lot of history within Providence, which comes from the Italian community, which we definitely cannot fail to recognize. That is part of us. But what people don't realize is that we actually have more Dominican restaurants than Italian restaurants. So we have a huge, large Dominican population, which is where I'm from. We also have a large Laotian population, Cambodian, Cape Verdean. Have you heard of a Cape Verdean before? Yeah. Okay, because some people haven't. (laughs) Cape Verdean (laughs) Islands, right, on the coast of Africa. We also have a large Liberian community from Africa. We also have, like, Jamaicans, Haitians, Puerto Ricans, and so, and Colombians. We have a lot of Colombians. So, because of that, we have, like, so much culture in addition to, like, all the intellectual and the artsy. And so, that's what I like about Providence. I had no idea that Providence has such a big you know, kind of multicultural community like that. I know a lot of people don't realize that it's just not, it's not showcased enough. But one of our clients, Providence Cultural Equity Initiative is one of the things that they're doing is bringing more cultural tourism to Providence and like showcasing the different things that we have. We have a big native community as well. And so they're actually, what they do is they advocate for those things and make sure that we do put the camera and the face on what it is that we have here, all the culture and all the richness that we have here to show. So one of the sites that we did for them is livingcultureri.com. And you're able to see like the different restaurants and what countries they represent. They have like a directory for that. Nice. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I really had no idea when I I told you, I talked to someone else, uh, Daniqua, and I told her the only thing I know about Rhode Island is, is from family guy. 
Oh, that's so funny because that drunken clam is actually in Johnston. It's like a little hole in the wall bar. And, um, oh, it's real? Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's not like people who live here don't even know about it. But no, there's a lot of cool things that came out of Providence. For example, Viola Davis. But she's not from Providence. She's from Central Falls. Central Falls is the smallest city within the smallest state. It's one square mile and it wow. has the most bars in any square mile. And she's actually from Central Falls, Rhode Island. Yeah, we have we have a lot we a lot of people from SNL came wow, out of Providence, a lot of like directors and producers in Hollywood. But, yeah, we have a lot of history. It's just that people don't like put it in the forefront because we're like such a small place. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I had, had no idea. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, you said you came from a really big family, and then I can definitely tell from from talking with you that you're very passionate about your work and very driven. Was this something that kind of always was a part of you or did something happen where that kind of put you on this path? Oh, that's a great question. You're good at this, Maurice. I feel like it's always been a part of me. So like in fifth grade, one of my best favorite teachers, Mrs. Saskin, she gave me like I ended up finding like a certificate that she gave me for like most creative right so like every student got an awarding class and I got the most creative and I never forgot that so I think that's always been inside of me right like to be creative to be doing things a little bit different but as far as the motivation I would say that my ultimate straw and my the inception of of my motivation came in 2004 when I started my company and that happened because like I said I'm the young I'm the well, I didn't say I'm the youngest out of six siblings my eldest sister Antonia Elena Cabrera who we actually call Ellie passed away in 2004 of breast cancer and so yeah so when she passed away it kind of like shook me up a little bit and I had like all these dreams and all these aspirations of things that I wanted to do. And up until the point when she passed away is when I realized like I can pass away at any point in time. And am I going to achieve these things that I want to do? Like what is, what is stopping me from moving forward and reaching my dreams? And so what I did when she passed away in June, I ended up having my first art show on a month later, less than a month later from right around my birthday, July 22nd. So I had it on the 23rd in 2004. That was my first event. I ended up getting sponsors. I had, I, I wanted to, what I wanted to do was a fashion show for a long time. And instead of doing a fashion show, which is what I wanted to do, I ended up having an art show where I exhibited different artists. I and mean, so I had a rapper, I had a singer, I had a DJ there. I had a graffiti artist by the name of Vase One out of the Bronx, New York, who's replanted who's now living in Providence Rhode Island he had a, a program called true school which was an after-school program where they taught kids how to do graffiti so I had like the kids and him at tables they were like drawing people's name you know when people draw they always say like draw my name right so they were like literally drawing people's names it was so cool and then I had like photographers sculptors painters everybody like exhibiting their work around with music playing we had food donated from a Dominican restaurant so it was really cool it was it was open open for family. It was open for everybody. And everybody just came out and had a good time. And yeah, it was her death that inspired me to put that together in less than a month. It was the beginning of, of something brand new for me, pushing forward and going for my dreams and making it happen by any means necessary. Are you satisfied creatively? Do you feel like with, with everything that you're working on right now that you you're good? No, I don't feel like I'm good. Right now, I have like this hunger and this thirst to find like the next like very talented individuals. I, I want to form a team. And so um, 
I'm looking for like motion graphic artists. I'm looking for like young people. I'm right now. I'm also looking for hugely. I'm looking for a, a video person who can like follow me around in different places. Like for example, right now this podcast. Like I wish somebody was documenting some of this for me, from my perspective, from my content. Right. I did a podcast the other day. I wish I had somebody to document that as well, just to show like the things that I'm actually doing. Discussing different ideas that I have, a lot of different thoughts that I come across. So I'm looking to start creating content to put out there for people. I'm looking for a social media guru, somebody who lives and breathes it. And it's hard to find people with good work ethic, people who are motivated, people who want to make things happen, people who aren't just incentivized by monetary. So like understanding the big vision, understanding the final goal, understanding that, you know, you get something out of everything, right? Whether it's experience, opportunity, et cetera, right? Eventually there's going to be a monetary payout for, for the work. So I'm just looking for that hungry individual who wants to like push forward and do some really big things. I mean, I feel like you've got all those colleges around that you can get an intern perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've thought about it and we've talked about it. And I do have an intern now who's not currently in college, just a motivated person, just somebody who's been motivated by us and wants to um, help out and things like that. And so working on a few things, but I'm still looking to accelerate that a little bit more and, and really add fuel to the fire. I have, when I say I have a lot of thoughts and I have a lot of things in my head that I want to do that I just don't have the time. Like if I, if it was me when I was 16 and then I was living in these times right now, it would be completely different, completely different. But I, I don't have that. I don't have that luxury and I have a lot of, a lot of things happening at once. And so, yeah, a, a highly motivated individual who's, who's super creative and thinks outside the box with video skills, somebody else with motion graphic skills, somebody else with skills for logos, somebody else with layout skills, somebody else with you know, high web skills, PHP, backend, database, different things like that. Just looking for the, for the next level. Yeah, hopefully someone listen will reach out to you. That's, I mean, it sounds like with everything that you're working on and doing right now, that would be a, a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. That would be awesome. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? What If you could, I mean, I know you're working on a lot of stuff now. You say you got a lot of things coming, you know, down the pike, but... In the next five years, where do you see yourself? What do you want to be? Well, this is obviously a business-related question, right? Because immediately I think about other things. We're talking about business. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be business. Be anything. <laughs> it's your life. Next five years. It's up yeah, to you. I hear you. So one of the things I learned is that a lot can happen in one year. So to think about five years for me, it's like really intense because my goals, I think, for this year are pretty out there. So let's let's think about the next five years. So the next five years, I probably see myself with, can it be done in five years? I see myself probably teaching, teaching technology, maybe having workshops, maybe having conferences. I have some ideas for some things that I want to do. And so I want to have some workshops where I put together like certain people who are good at certain skill sets and having them teach other people how to like run their social media or how to create a WordPress site or how to hire the right photographer or how to edit their existing photos or um, different things like that, different components, how to do like um, Facebook marketing, how to do Instagram marketing, how to write SEO. So I'm thinking about like having like these workshops will all happen simultaneously where everybody's coming into it and able to like learn from all these different places and then go out and execute on their own 
Okay. Anything else that's <laughs> just business-wise is where you're thinking? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, I, I didn't mean, I wasn't trying to like push you for, for, I mean, more stuff. You kind of just ended a little abruptly there. I wasn't sure. Oh, okay. I apologize. No, no, it's okay. Yeah. So I was just thinking about uh, the workshop. I'm sorry. My head started like going off into it, but personally, so like right now I'm a homeowner and um, we've been at our house for five years. So we've been looking for another house. So five years down the line, I mean, I definitely think I'm going to have another, a bigger home probably in less than a year. And so in five years, I, I probably, probably want to have a few homes probably by within five years so that I can travel to different places and be able to work from different countries or states. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be, that's a dope idea. Yeah, I would love that. Well, just to, you know, kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you, about your work, about your business and everything? Where can they find that online? Yeah. So if you want to find out about me as a person, Blue Azul 401, that's B L U E. A-Z-U-L 401. And that's on Instagram. That's on Snapchat. That's on Twitter. And then for the business, it's vandrdigital.com. That's V as in Veronica, A-N-D-R as in Ronia, digital.com. And we have a Twitter uh, at vandrdigital. And we also are on Facebook as vandrdigital, as well as... Yeah, my personal, I guess, Facebook. Actually, you can find me through Facebook. It'd be facebook.com forward slash Blue Azul, B-L-U-E-A-Z-U-L. And I'd come up that way as well. And VNR Digital is also on Facebook. And I'm also on LinkedIn under Ronia Piguero, R-O-N-I-A, last name P as in Paul, E, G as in good, U-E-R-O. And anywhere you find me, I'm I'm very Googleable, Googleable, if that's a word. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm always accessible. You can always text me, call me, message me, email me. I'm very open to any form of communication. All right. Sounds good. Well, Ronia Peguero, thank you so much for coming on the show. I can, I mean, I can feel your enthusiasm like through the internet as we're, as we're having this conversation and, and recording it. Are you serious? Cause I'm like, I'm like super low key right now. I'm like, this is a serious interview. Just chill out, relax. You can feel it. That's awesome. Yeah. No, but I mean, that's a good thing because if, I mean, I mean, we just met doing this interview. If I can feel it, hopefully I'm sure the audience feels, and I'm sure that your clients also and your students can, can feel your enthusiasm for your work. But I mean, I'm saying all that to say it's, it's good to have that. I mean, I feel like so many times we can get bogged down in what we're doing to the point where, especially if you're an entrepreneur, it can just feel like you're kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. But I can tell even, you know, from the fact that you say you've been doing this since 2004 and the business has changed a few times and things like that. The fact that you still have that drive and that passion for what you do and even, you know, for helping people. I mean, a lot of what you said with, you know, with your students about patience and empathy and things like that. I think if if I'm able to feel it, then the audience is able to feel it. Your clients, your students are able to feel it. And so I think it's just, it's a blessing. It's really good to be able to talk to somebody that still has that passion and drive, you know, for doing design and for this industry. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, Maurice, those were so, such sweet words. Like, I'm truly humbled by what you said. Thank you so much. I'm glad the energy was able to project, even if I was being super low-key. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate it. Those words were very impactful. Thank you. Thoughts of love are in. 
And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Ronia Pagero and thanks to you for listening. You can find out about Ronia and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our wonderful sponsors, Facebook Design, Glitch, Google Design, MailChimp, and SiteGround. Facebook designers work on creative products that are used by over 2 billion people. And now, when you think about Facebook, it's not just one product or one type of design problem. Their work transforms a number of industries from advertising, news, media, local business, video, and messaging. No other company designs at a massive scale like they do. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. Too many coding tools put up barriers to creativity with a lot of complicated setup and features, and Glitch will let you get started with no hassle at all. Start from scratch or find a project that you like, remix it, make it your own. So what will you create today? Get started at glitch.com. Whether it's defining a branding style in VR or creating a voice user interface that actually feels human, Google Design is committed to sharing the best design thinking from Google and beyond. Sign up for great stories, events, and the latest updates on material design at design.google forward slash newsletter. Again, that's design.google forward slash newsletter. You can also follow Google Design on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. MailChimp is the world's largest marketing automation platform. Not only do they support millions of customers from small e-commerce shops to big online retailers, but they also support the creative community as well. MailChimp really gives you the marketing tools to be yourself on a bigger stage. Visit MailChimp.com and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. Since 2004, SiteGround has been empowering web professionals and beginners alike to build better, faster, safer websites easily without having to worry about hosting. With different platforms to suit every need, including managed WordPress hosting on all plans, SiteGround will not let you down. Visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Vandre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you really like this episode, then please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. First of all, it only takes a minute or two. Secondly, it really helps the show by bumping us up in the rankings there, not just for design podcasts here in the U.S., but worldwide. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, if you're listening to this and you want to hear next week's episode early, then you should become our patron over at Patreon. Now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. For just $5 a month, you can get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.